We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. Exciting time of year right now. The Lakers heading into their round one matchup with the Memphis Grizzlies. Man, it is going to be close. I've been breaking down this matchup every way that I can, trying to look at where the advantages are. Both sides have ways that they can hurt the other team. want to talk about that a bit today. Also want to get into some more fan questions and comments. We need to talk more about D'Angelo Russell. In fact, Darvin Ham had some comments specifically about D'Lo. Also need to talk about AD, the way that Darvin is utilizing him. Ham talked about that as well. So we'll get into those comments. Uh, before we get into everything, though, look, it, it is the postseason. This is a very exciting time of year. All the more reason to make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. Of course, the growing community here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel is something that, that I am very, very proud of and, and enjoy quite a bit. Lakers Nation is absolutely incredible. Love being able to do this and converse with all of you. So if you haven't done so yet, make sure you do subscribe to the channel. And then also follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Great way to kind of get the best of both worlds. You can watch the videos over on the YouTube channel and then when you're traveling or anything like that, you're out working out, you're doing something in your yard, you can listen to the podcast version of all the Lakers Nation content that we put out. All right, let's get into everything. Well, actually, I guess before we get into everything, I do have one other thing. Um, I am going to be hosting a NBA playoff bracket challenge, and the deadline to sign up for this is actually tomorrow. So I'm going to put the link in the description down below. It's free to play, free to enter, and the top few entries win cash prizes. So there's really nothing to lose here. Um, again, free to enter. All you got to do is fill out a playoff bracket, who you think is going to win each playoff matchup, including who's going to be the eventual NBA champion this year, and then how many games each series is going to go, which is stuff that we talk about all the time anyway. So again, it's free. Fill out the bracket, top few entries, win cash prizes put in the link in the description down below all right let's dive into everything let's talk lakers basketball and again you know i've been looking at this matchup with the memphis grizzlies one of the things that's popped up that i've been looking at is d'angelo russell i think the grizzlies are going to try to switch hunt him a lot so we've spent a lot of time talking about uh is it is jared vanderbilt going to defend john morant is it going to be austin reeves is it going to be dennis schroeder getting into matchups who defends John Morant. And there's a ton of different ways you can go with this. Tons of different answers, including the answer could just be they can't. I mean, that's that's possible. The Lakers simply can't defend Ja. Um, the Grizzlies have an interesting roster construction where if Ja does get into the paint, they've got shooters that he can kick out too, which is going to make trying to wall off John Morant that much more problematic. But one of the things that maybe we haven't spent enough time talking about as, as much as we look at, oh, can Vando stay with him? Can Dennis Schroeder stay with him? Can Austin Reeves stay with him? Who is going to defend John Moran? Uh, I think they're going to target D'Angelo Russell. I think they're going to do everything they can to get D'Lo switched on to Ja, and that is going to be a really tough matchup for D'Lo. He's not the quickest laterally. That can be really problematic. So I think that's something that Darvin is going to have to look at and try to figure out how you're going to counter that because I'm expecting to see that early and often a lot of switch hunting from the Grizzlies trying to get D'Angelo Russell switched over onto jaw. That's what the, the Memphis Grizzlies did to the Minnesota Timberwolves in the past when D'Lo was with them. So I'd imagine that same strategy is going to transfer over. So that's, that's one of the things that I've been looking at, but 
Something else that's, that's interesting that uh, popped up. I did some radio in, uh, in Memphis. And hearing from the Memphis side, it was curious how the Memphis side of this essentially looks at this almost the same way that the Lakers do. Um, Memphis is, is kind of worried about the Lakers three-point shooting. And, and the, this is a thing around the NBA. I think every fan base feels like opposing teams shoot really well from three against them. Like it's just a thing like a random role player X always happens to blow up against only their team. And that's just the way it goes. And we, we talk about that all the time too, about how, you know, you can't have an outlier three point shooting performance about how you can't have some random player. You can't have a Dylan Brooks five for nine from three night or, or something like that. You can't have uh, Santi Aldama come in and hit, you know, two for five from deep or two for four from deep or something like that that those types of things can be extremely damaging. Well, the Grizzlies are fearing th the same thing. And what's interesting is Memphis, their defense is predicated upon stopping teams from getting into the paint, which is exactly what the Lakers want to do on the offensive end and forcing them into shooting jump shots. Um, conversely, the Lakers, their defense is set up to try to stop teams from getting into the paint, force them to shoot jump shots. And that's exactly what the Grizzlies offense wants to do. They want to get into the paint and they would prefer to do their damage there. So it's really, you've got two teams where their goals are the same and it may just come down to whoever can execute their game plan the best. Who is it that can truly dominate the paint in this matchup? And then who can counter that the best? Who is it that's going to be able to knock down because both sides are going to be asking the other team to shoot jumpers, which team's actually going to be able to make those jumpers. You got Luke Kennard leading the NBA in three-point percentage by a ton, by 5%. That's insane. Uh, you've got Desmond Bain can certainly shoot the three. Jaron Jackson Jr. can shoot the three. And then on the Lakers side, Austin Reeves can shoot it. D'Angelo Russell, who doesn't have a history of great playoff performances, but he's a 40-plus percent three-point shooter for the Lakers this season. Um, and, and obviously, D'Lo did not shoot the ball well against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But you've got guys who can knock it down. LeBron certainly can knock down the three-point shot. So it's going to be really interesting to see how all of that plays out. In addition to all the different math that we're looking at here, you know, is it LeBron and AD against John, Jaron Jackson Jr.? And how do those two duos really try to duel with each other? How does that ultimately play out? And then which sides other guys can get going? Is it, you know, Austin and D'Lo and, and Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder? Can they outplay your Desmond Baines and, and Xavier Tillman? And, uh, and of course, Luke Kennard and, and players like that, Dylan Brooks, which side gets the upper hand there? There's lots to break down, but I think the styles clash in this game is going to be really interesting. Which side is actually going to be able to enforce their will? Because both teams are going to be kind of looking to do the same thing. So to me, that's fascinating. Also check this out earlier today. I don't think we can take a lot from the previous matchups with the Grizzlies. You know, look, AD has just feasted on the boards against Memphis. He has been a monster against them on the season, averaging just ridiculous numbers. But in every game, the Lakers and Grizzlies have played three times this season. Lakers have won two. Grizzlies have won one. Uh, in none of those three games did all three of John Morant, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis play. In fact, in none of those games did both AD and LeBron play. The Grizzlies have not seen the duo of LeBron James and Anthony Davis this season. They saw LeBron once, they saw AD twice. They did not see them at the same time. The Lakers played the Grizzlies without John Morant in one of these games. Jaron Jackson Jr., of the kind of big four players in this series, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, Triple J is the only player to have appeared in every single game. So that's going to change the dynamic on the floor considerably, that we haven't seen all four of those guys on the floor at the same time. And that's what we're going to see in this series. So when I look back at the three times the teams have played before, you look at the footage and you say, well, yeah, this worked and this didn't work. And I'm thinking, oh, but John's going to be on the floor and he's not here. Oh, but LeBron's going to be on the floor and he's not here. Oh, but AD is going to be on the floor and he's not here. Every game that you look at, you kind of have to discount because of that. So I think there's going to be a major feeling out process. In this series, I think game one is going to be a lot of feeling out, a lot of trying to figure out where your advantages are. I think there's going to be some playoff nerves at play. I mean, look, 
Austin Reeves has not played in a postseason game before. Will the nerves get to him at all? There's a number of Lakers players that, you know, this is going to be kind of new to them. That'll be interesting to watch. Same thing with the Grizzlies, right? What, what's the playoff nerves going to look like? Of course, FedEx Forum is going to be going crazy in Memphis. That building is going to be going insane. Like, it would matter a lot to them to not just win the first round of the playoffs, but to beat the Lakers. Oh, man. Like, that's, that's a big deal, especially for Western Conference teams. If you can take out the Lakers, they're going to be extra excited about that. Fans, they're going to be extra excited about that one. So there's a lot that's coming into this. And there's so much unknown here. It makes it such a fascinating series. I mean, you look at, all right, the Celtics against the Hawks. Well, we all know what's going to happen. And that Milwaukee against whoever they wind up playing against, we know what's going to happen there. We know what's going to happen when, you know, either OKC or Minnesota survives and they're going to take on the Denver Nuggets. We know they're not going to actually beat Denver. Everybody knows what's what's going on in that series. But Lakers-Grizzlies, this, has, this could go any direction. The Lakers could win this thing in, I don't see anybody winning it in four. The Lakers could win this thing in five, could be six. The Grizzlies could win it in five or six. We could go seven. It's going to be a fascinating series. I'm excited for it. I'm nervous, but I'm excited for it. Playoff basketball is back. All right. I said we need to talk a little bit about D'Lo and a little bit about AD. D'Angelo Russell did not have a good shooting performance against Minnesota Timberwolves. I said it. I think he had his worst performance as a Laker. Here's what Darvin Ham had to say about D'Angelo Russell and about the faith that he's got in him? Well, you know, you're going to have rough nights out here. And I, I have all the confidence in the world in D'Lo. Um, he, we're going to need him on this run that, that you know, we plan to make. And uh, starting with game one at Memphis. And uh, you just got to be able to, to snap back and bounce back. You know, it, it's it's a long season. You know, some nights it's not going to be your night. Uh, again, that's why you try to fortify your, your roster with multiple players who are capable uh, once you call their number, they're able to not just go out there and, and, and gobble up minutes, but, but get minutes and play at a high level. Now it just happened to be Dennis tonight, but make no mistake about it. We, we, we brought D'Lo here to come out here and be D'Lo and, and, and to make plays. And so we'll sit down, we'll watch film and, and as a group and, and uh, definitely communicate and, and just let him know that, you know, he's going to, we, we're going to need him. This is, this, this may be a one-off, uh, no doubt about it, but he's going to be in the thick of things at the forefront of us having success in the postseason. I love that by Darvin Ham, just saying unequivocally, this is, we, we need him. We need D'Angelo Russell out there on the floor. Indeed, you look at what he's done for the Lakers, 17.4 points per game for the Lakers in just 17 games, but 41% from three for the Lakers. 48% from the field, 6.1 assists. You need that. You need that out on the floor, particularly if, and I think this is going to be interesting to watch against Memphis. Um, Anthony Davis talked about this post game, by the way. He talked about how Memphis tends to defend him a little bit more straight up. They don't send as many doubles. Now, who knows? Maybe that means Taylor Jenkins is going to hear that and start sending more doubles at AD, but they, they like to defend him actually with Xavier Tillman and allow Jaron Jackson Jr. to be a bit more of a roamer. Um, so that's going to be something to watch. I would imagine we're going to see Jaron Jackson Jr. start the game on Jared Vanderbilt so that he can leave him and go try to contest stuff at the rim as the secondary rim protector, which can actually be a really good strategy, and it can help keep fouls off of Jaron Jackson Jr. lets him come in and be that help side shot blocker, which, look, that's, that's probably a good way to play that. Makes it more difficult for the Lakers to put fouls on him and gives him opportunities where he doesn't have to defend Anthony Davis or LeBron or, or whoever straight up. Um, conversely, that means I, I would like to try to see them put Jaron Jackson in pick and roll situations and get him switched onto those guys anyway and force him to defend. And same thing with Josh, ja, switch on John ja Morant all game. Hopefully his legs will be shot. I mean, he's young, so there probably won't be, but at least make him work, make him fight on the defensive end of the floor and don't let him just kind of hide out on one of your weaker offensive players. That's what you don't want to see uh, the Lakers give up. But interesting that, that Darvin just says, yeah, we, we believe in D'Angelo Russell. And I think he's going to be important in this series. Look, there may be situations where the Grizzlies do switch hunt D'Angelo Russell, but there's also going to be times where Anthony Davis is doubled. The Lakers hopefully make the right read. They swing the ball, and it's going to find D'Lo's hands. The Lakers need him knocking down that three. I talk about this all the time. You have to punish teams for their choices. The way you're going to punish teams for, for double-teaming Anthony Davis, for double-teaming LeBron James, it's going to be 
hitting the, the resulting open three-point shot. Austin Reeves has got to be able to knock it down. D'Angelo Russell's got to be able to knock it down. That's going to be one of the subplots of the series. It's going to be Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, the other shooters that Memphis has, the guys who are going to be, be shooting for three. And I guess I, I throw Dylan Brooks into the mix when realistically the Lakers want Dylan Brooks shooting that shot. But Jaron Jackson, you know, they've got those guys who can who can shoot the ball. And a few players coming off the bench as well, including Tyus Jones. Um, it's going to be those guys against the Lakers shooters, right? Uh, can Troy Brown knock down threes? Shooting, I think, 38% from three for the Lakers. Can he knock down shots? Or is the moment too big for a young player coming in in the playoffs? Uh, D'Lo, Austin, can Rui come in and knock him in? And here's the other thing that I think we need to discuss here. If Jared Vanderbilt can't defend Jaw, if it's not a winning proposition to have Jared Vanderbilt on Ja Morant, if that simply doesn't work, does this become more of a Rui Hachimura series? Particularly if Memphis is doing what I'm talking about, where they're hiding, so to speak, Jaron Jackson Jr. on uh, Vando and using him as a weak side rim protector, do you then put Rui into the game? If Vando can't really defend Jaw on the other end anyway, so that's not how you're using him. Do you see more Rui Hachimura who can hit the, the open jumper, give you a better shot of knocking down the three-point shot, certainly than, than Vando can. Not that Rui is an incredible three-point shooter, but he can knock those down. Still provide size, still provide some rebounding abilities. I, I love Jared Vanderbilt. Just I think this matchup may be a tough one for, for Vando. So do we see more Rui Hachimura in this series to potentially provide a little bit more offensive punch and punish the Grizzlies for having Jaron Jackson Jr. as a roamer? That's something to keep an eye on as well. Now, I mentioned Anthony Davis, and look, as much as we want to get into all of the, all of the other guys that are going to matter a lot in this series, there's no question, but as much as we want to get into all of that, a lot of this is just going to come down to, is LeBron playing at an MVP level? Is Anthony Davis playing at an MVP level? Is John Morant playing at an MVP level? What about Jaron Jackson Jr.? He's been playing at a very high I don't know if I want to throw him into the MVP category, but he's been playing at a very high level. Is he playing at a defensive player of the year level, which I think he may indeed win. He's leading the NBA in blocks per game. Um, that's going to matter a lot. And what's interesting is, you know, again, I went on radio in Memphis today and the and was told, you know, Anthony Davis is just a monster, you know, night in and night out, you're getting a huge performance out of him. And I said, eh, actually, no, that's not Lakers fans. Like the outside observer, yes, go, oh, AD is going to be great every single night, right? But to Lakers fans, there's been a lot of frustration about Anthony Davis, not defensively. Defensively, he's been, been great, but offensively, you do not get a consistent performance out of him night in and night out. Um, and a lot of that comes down to his shot attempts. I mean, look, you look at Anthony Davis point totals last five games, 16 points, 14 points, 17 points, 21 points. That's going up against the jazz who were tanking in a game where you went to overtime and he played 42 minutes, only had 21 points against the Clippers, the game where you needed him to go and uh, go beast mode. And he had 17 points against the Suns, who benched everybody, and he shot four for 12 and had just 14 points. And again against the Jazz, played 34 minutes and had just 16 points. Now, against the Houston Rockets, the, the game where I stopped that list, he had 40 points. Game before that against the Wolves, he had 38. Game before that against the Bulls, he had 38. Then the game before that against the Bulls, he had 15. Then 37, then 27, then 15. But you keep having these ebbs and flows, and the last four games, his point totals have been pretty low. And I think a lot of it goes hand in hand with his, with his shots. You look at the last four, 15 shots, 12 shots, 14 shots, 16 shots. The three games before that, 20, 26, 20. No wonder he's putting up 40 points, 38 points, 38 points. And then the, game, the last four are 16, 14, 17, and 21. Lakers fans are expecting... The 30 plus point per game, Anthony Davis every night. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's not. But that's the level of dominance that the Lakers need. And so from the outside perspective, you hear, oh, Anthony Davis, he's just wonderful. He's fantastic. He's great. 
But Lakers fans know that's not always the case on the offensive end of the floor. And a lot of it is tied to his shot attempts. How many opportunities does he actually get? And let's face it, Anthony Davis is absolutely tremendous. You want him shooting the ball a lot. The more you can get him to shoot, particularly if it's at the rim, the better. He's shooting 56% from the field on the season. Good things tend to happen when Anthony Davis shoots. He's shooting 70. I know he's much maligned for free throws, now hitting one of two so often, right? And we roll our eyes. He's shooting 78% from the free throw line on the season. On eight attempts, Anthony Davis needs to continue to get to the line. In order to get there, he's got to get shot attempts. He's got to get those opportunities to get to the free throw line. So some of that's on AD to be aggressive. In this matchup, when he gets Jaron Jackson matched on him, got to go at him, put him in foul trouble. Got to do that. When it's Xavier Tillman, he's got to win that matchup and be aware that Jaron Jackson's going to be flying over as that secondary shot blocker. What can the Lakers do to counter that? But AD has got to get up. I think 20 shots a night is a reasonable goal for Anthony Davis. And we've seen four games in a row where he's fallen well short of that. So Darvin Ham talked about this issue. Again, it's one that is on top of mind for Lakers fans. But Darvin talked about this exact issue after the Wolves game. And here's what he said. Yeah, well, we, we got to be able to move them around. And that falls on my staff and I. Um, because they're coming. You know, any isolation, he's going to get double teamed. So trying to get them in more pick and rolls, more second side actions, moving them to different areas on the floor, not so much on the side, maybe more in the middle. Uh, there's a plethora of things that we can do that, that we have in our uh, treasure chest that we can try to, you know, allow the game to be a little bit easier and, and force the defense into some compromising positions. So we just got to go back again, look at the film, see because they double team from every angle, baseline on the dribble from the from the top, like on catch when the pass is in the air. Uh, so we just got to, you know, do our due diligence to look at everything and see how we can best serve our player. So there's Darvin saying, yeah, we need to get AD more involved, and that's on us. That's on the coaching staff. We've got to find ways to get him more involved. Teams are going to send doubles. Now, maybe Memphis doesn't send a double against AD. We'll see. Again, he has lit them up in the past, so I'd imagine they're going to throw a lot of different coverages at him. By the way, Darvin also talked about how they switched up their coverages based on the score of the Minnesota game. It was interesting. I should have clipped that, but there's so many people out there that just – Scream, Darvin makes no adjustments. He's terrible. He's he's an idiot. He does nothing right. His rotations are terrible. And he, and he just sits with his hands in his pockets and he never makes any adjustments. And he actually broke down exactly how defensively they change things. But it's stuff that to the to the naked eye, you don't always notice on the screen. But he but he broke down like defensively how they adjusted based on the score and based on what they were trying to give up and not give up as a result of where the score was in the Wolves game. It was pretty interesting, but the Lakers do make adjustments. Now you can say maybe they're not always the right adjustments, but there are adjustments that come throughout the game. Um, again, I'm not saying Darvin Ham is the best coach in the world or anything like that, but the criticism that they don't make adjustments is, is kind of unfounded. I just don't think sometimes the adjustments are noticed, um, and that's more of the, the issue, more than they don't make adjustments. Speaking of which, the Lakers' adjustments and adjustments to the adjustments are going to be so critical in this series uh, as they are in every playoff series. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Lakers and the coaching staff to not only attack the correct way, push the right buttons, but the Grizzlies will make adjustments. The Lakers have to counter those adjustments and back and forth you go. That's what happens in playoff series. So that's going to be interesting to see as well. But bottom line for Anthony Davis, it's about getting him involved and getting those shot attempts up and reacting to whatever it is the Grizzlies do. This is on the coaching staff reacting to whatever it is they do and finding a way to counter that that doesn't involve Anthony Davis just being banished to the corner three and just not part of the possession. You have to get him involved in the game. And maybe that means getting the ball up top. We saw that uh, in recent weeks when they were really focused on getting him involved. It was getting him the ball somewhere around the top of the key, getting him the ball up there and then letting him create uh, instead of just over at the, on the side at an angle. A lot of people just say, well, why don't you just post him up? Because it's not 2002 where, where Shaq can just post up, single coverage, kick the ball to the wing, throw the ball into the post, and then let him go to work. NBA defenses are very different now. The rules are diff different now. And it makes that entry pass much more difficult. And players haven't practiced that entry pass nearly as much. So I know that's the knee-jerk reaction from fans is, just post him up like Shaq and let him go to work. 
It's a little different uh, in today's NBA, but that doesn't mean the, the straight up just post up is completely gone either. So I wouldn't mind seeing some of those actions, but 20 shots per game. I think that is or should be the goal for Anthony Davis because that is the guy that the Lakers are going to need in this series. He has to be dominant in this series. In fact, there is a world where Anthony Davis is the best player in this series. And I think that would go a long way towards getting the win for the Lakers. It was if AD is at that level and we know he can play at that level. If you get that from him, I think you've got a really, really good shot in this series against Memphis. All right. I do need to get into some of the fan questions and the comments that we've got here. Before we get there, though, I need to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Game Time. You can check them out. The URL is gametime.co. Uh, look, buying tickets, for me anyway, is it's stressful, but here's the part that's stressful for me. It's I'm the person that I always want to make sure that I'm getting the best deal. And so I have a really hard time jumping around to different ticketing sites, different apps, and trying to, in a sense, compare apples to apples and never feeling like I really am. Because one place, you know, it doesn't give you the final price until you finally check out. Other places, it gives you the final price up front. You just never know what fees are involved and everything. And so it just makes it hard to just go and compare and see, okay, who really has the best prices? Uh, but buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful and game time has their best price guarantee which is huge for me because then it takes that worry out i don't have to worry about am i actually getting the best price or not they also have flash deals on last minute tickets which is great uh, you find yourself with a, a free evening and you just go look up what's going on around you a lot of times there'll be great flash deals that you can get really good good rates on and off you go. You can go and, and have some fun and enjoy an event, whether it's sports, whether it's uh, theater, whether it's a uh, concert, whatever it is that you're looking for. So you can forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up until the day of the event. And I love this. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how confident they are that you are getting the best price. They're going to give you 110% of the difference if you find tickets in the same row and section for less than what you're getting them. For me, that, that gives me peace of mind. I know I'm getting the best deal. So you can get images of your seats before you buy. You know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You get your tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. They are the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Snag tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use our code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LakersNation for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get into our fan questions and comments. We've got plenty to still discuss here. Lots to get into. Ricky is talking about the Wolves game. Said role players had a bad game, but still gutted out the win. We are contenders now because before the deadline, we lose by 20. Now we have playoff depth. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, the Lakers now have depth. I think that the Lakers pre-trade deadline, um, didn't really have, didn't have a high enough ceiling and also didn't have a high enough floor to do what they're doing. Now, certainly I don't, pre-trade deadline, they're not making the run that they did. They're not going from 13th all the way up to the seventh seed. They're not going to have the best record in the Western Conference post-trade deadline, any of that, if they didn't make these moves. So that in and of itself has definitely helped their chances here. But right now, the Lakers are given one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the seventh best odds currently, to win the NBA championship this season. Now, again, that is always changing. They're right there with Memphis, but still really impressive. And depending on where you're, where you're looking, those odds may be a little bit different. But I think the Lakers do have a shot. Now, again, I'm not saying they are. it's a high chance that they're going to win a championship this year. I'm not saying they're a favorite, but the, the possibility is there. Anybody can come out of the West this year. Anybody. 
right? I know everybody looks at Phoenix and, oh, Phoenix is great and nobody wants to play them because they've got KD now and, and all that. Look, they've got a good chance. Phoenix does. They've got a good chance. Um, Phoenix, in fact, has the highest odds of any team in the Western Conference right now from what I'm looking at. But the Lakers are right there in the mix. And that's what the trade deadline did for them. It put them in the mix. This is what we've said all season. All season long, we've said, just get LeBron and AD there. Get them to the postseason with complimentary players that really fit around them and see what happens. Because you got a shot about against anybody. Here we are. They did it. LeBron, AD, time to shine. Let's go. This is what we've been asking for. Just get there. Just get them there and see what happens. Can't write them off. You can't. Honey Nut said all this without McDaniels and Gobert. To be honest, if the Lakers lose this, the season might have been over. Just thankful I'll be able to sleep tonight. Uh, talking about the Wolves game. Whew. That was that was stressful. That was, And it was frustrating. It was a frustrating. And you know what? I talked about this on one of our recent shows that the Lakers actually executed their game plan. They did what they wanted to. They just couldn't seem to score the ball. They couldn't put the ball in the basket. They were getting into the paint. They were dominating the glass. They just couldn't put the ball in the basket. And meanwhile, on the other end, the Wolves were hitting everything. It felt like the Lakers were getting what they wanted and it, and it wasn't working. And so that was difficult for the Lakers to kind of battle through that. And it was hard for fans to watch. And certainly stressful because we all know the Lakers needed the time off, but fortunately they did get it done. Got the win in the end. Even if they did a stumble, trip, and fall over themselves to get there, they got it. Shavo King said, I get Bamba fouls a lot, but Wenyan Gabriel has been trash the last couple of games. Way too small on Cat when defending. Master locked the refs for calling the goaltend on Vanderbilt. Yeah, that was an awful call. The referees made plenty of mistakes, but that was a terrible call on Vando. Yeah, and, and look, I, I've seen people have been taking issue with me mentioning that Mo Bamba has not been very good when we've seen him on the floor uh, for the Lakers and mentioning that, look, he hasn't really had an opportunity to play much, and that's true. That's true. He's played in nine games for the Lakers. When I say Mo Bamba hasn't been very good for the Lakers, um, it's with the recognition that it's a small sample size. I'm not saying write off Mo Bamba, banish him to the bench and never never see him again. I'm just saying in the minutes that we've seen him play, which admittedly are very, very limited right now. I mean, Mo Bamba has played a total of 88 minutes for the Lakers. A tiny, tiny sample size here that we're talking. I'm not advocating for never seeing Mo Bamba again. I'm not advocating for, because the skill set is still intriguing, the ability to block shots, the ability to shoot the three, the size that he offers, the wingspan that he offers. Those things are interesting. They're worth exploring. But in those minutes that we've seen from him, I, I haven't been blown away with what he's done. And, and for good reason. Look, he shot 31% from three. He's grabbed 4.6 rebounds, which is actually pretty good in his minutes, but 3.7 points, uh, 40%, 41% from the field. It's not, not ideal. He's just been all right. There's moments where it's looked a little clunky. But nonetheless, nonetheless, I think it's also true that Wenyan has had games recently where he's looked overmatched. He's 6'9", 205. There's going to be some matchups, and I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is one of them, where Wenyan is just not going to be big enough for it. Now, you can also argue that Wenyan brings you much more perimeter versatility. He brings you the ability to switch easier. If Wenyan, look, realistically, if anybody gets switched on a jaw, they're probably toast, but Wenyan at least has some quickness to him, whereas Mobamba is definitely getting switch hunted in that kind of a matchup. So I'm not saying that Wenyan's been bad all season. I liked what we've seen from him. I think the bottom line is, and I got asked this question, uh, I believe it was this morning. What is it that the Lakers need this offseason? And we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this. But I think another big, assuming you could keep this whole group, and I don't know that you're going to be able to, but if you could keep this entire team, I talk a lot about how much they need wings. It might be another big that you need. Unless Mo Bamba turns into that guy, turns into the guy that you need, it might be another big. 
Because there's so many matchups where Wenyan is just too small, despite the fact that I love his energy. He's just too small, and I'd like to see a bigger, more bruising body out there. And I don't know that it's Mobamba. I think there's more to explore there. I'm not saying it's definitely not Mobamba, but you might need to find another big to bring into the mix. Um, I, I don't think it's Tristan Thompson, by the way, but that may be something that the Lakers look to do this offseason. All right, Mark. So D'Lo looked like a guy Minnesota was desperate to trade with 23 games left this season. I mean, thank goodness the Lakers won the game because one of the keys going in was D'Lo needed to be better than Mike Conley. He was not. Um, and Minnesota fans were breathing a sigh of relief that it looked like they got the better of that trade by shedding D'Lo and getting Conley. You know, Conley still is not a good contract for next year, but the way he shot the ball against the Lakers, my goodness, if he does that all the time, he's great on a $16 million contract. So uh, smart. Great Lakers win. Question, uh, Trevor and Sean was with me at the time when this question came in. Do you think with all the games that were close will help the Lakers be battle-tested for the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, this, I really think that one of the challenges for the Lakers is they're essentially a new team. Since the trade deadline, they are a new team. So that this iteration of the Lakers has a very, very limited experience together. They just haven't played on the floor that much at the same time. So that is going to be a limiting factor. So when you look at, oh, the Lakers have had a lot of close games. Yeah, they have. But a lot of those came pre-trade deadline too. I don't know how much those count anymore because the team is so different. They play a different style, six different players. I mean, I really do look at it as it's a completely different Lakers team. And I kind of dismiss everything that's pre-trade deadline because they don't play the same way anymore. So, yeah. I think it helps that they've had a few close games. But I think the bigger factor is going to be just a lack of games together, period, for this group. All right, we're going to pause for just one moment. Need to give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Shady Rays. I love Shady Rays. This is this is no joke here. This is not for an ad read or anything like that. Shady Rays have been my daily driver sunglasses for years, even before they became a sponsor. I literally have five pairs of Shady Rays because I've bought so many different styles. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. So our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. They're an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. And that's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even one on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked, Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. I can confirm this. I had my sunglasses sitting on the seat in my car. I sat on them. I broke them. I contacted them, got a replacement pair sent to me. This was a year and a half ago that, that this happened. And I and they sent me the replacement sunglasses. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff from them. I, mean, I don't see that from sunglasses companies. Uh, with Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they've donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. If you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. They have your back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving you their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code LakersNation for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Mark, is the coaching lineup anathema to traditional lineups? We had lineups where Wenyan was our center on Towns. Our center was 6'8", guarding a 7'1 star. Is Bamba not playable? Why trade for him? So, again, not wanting to rehash the whole Mo Bamba thing. I, look, I would like to see Mo Bamba get some opportunities. I'd like to see some minutes. I haven't been blown away with him when we've seen him on the floor, while admitting that he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities. Um, Wenyan on Towns... Did not look good, but to Darvin Ham's credit, he saw that and said, "Nope, we're not doing this." Wenyan played two minutes, so I'm giving Towns, I'm giving Darvin credit for that. Um, Rui, 
had some good minutes on Towns and, and tends to do that. So I do wonder in the non-Jaron Jackson lineups if we see Rui playing a bit more there. I don't know if Mo Bamba is a guy that you want to put on Jaron Jackson. Is he going to foul him a bunch? What's that going to look like? But it'll be interesting to see what Darvin Ham does because I do think if you need to go to someone that's not AD to defend Jaron Jackson, I, I think Rui is probably not big enough to do it. I don't think you can... Jaron Jackson is a, is a bit more you know, athletic. He'll jump over you type of thing. Then Towns, Towns is a bit different in how he plays. Rui had some su- success on Towns. I wouldn't expect him to do the same against Jaron Jackson. Bamba may have the best shot. I don't think Wenyan is big enough. Bamba may indeed have the best shot. And if that is, is the case, then play him. Then play him. And I'm not expecting him to get 20 minutes a night. My goodness, like five minutes. If he can do, if he can defend competently for five minutes and maybe space the floor a little bit, give him the shot. Try it. Because it's if it's not AD, I don't know who else can really defend Jaron Jackson. Uh, this one said, still looked stagnant, disinterested, or unorganized. I don't think the Lakers looked disinterested against the Wolves. I think they looked tired. I think they were interested, but I think they looked tired. And I'm hopeful that the four days off between games will be enough to, to recharge their batteries to a degree. Mamba Mentality said, not a knock on D'Lo, but I wouldn't have minded if the deal went through with Conley going to LA. But I get it. Some Lakers fans in front office are traumatized from last year. But there's a difference. Last year's players were past their prime. Conley, Bogdanovich are hoopers. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I said a bunch of times going up to the trade deadline that Mike Conley actually would have fit really well with this Lakers roster, despite the fact that he's, I still think he's a bad contract for next year, but I thought he, I thought he fit pretty well with what the Lakers needed in terms of he can shoot the three. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to stay in front of a lot of guys, but neither does D'Angelo Russell. That said, I would have also made the same decision. If I had on the table in front of me, the opportunity to turn Mike Conley into D'Angelo Russell, I would do that if I'm the Lakers front office. And you can argue, well, Mike Conley might be better than D'Lo this year. I don't think one game is you definitely check that box and say, yep, Mike Conley's better than D'Lo. They're very different. But moving forward, you look at what the Lakers have done. All the guys they've added are in their mid-20s. Why? Sustainability. At some point, LeBron, at some point, AD, maybe they ride off into the sunset. Obviously, LeBron would be closer to that that day. But if you're going to try to build a team around AD post-LeBron, you're going to need guys who are currently in their mid-20s that can play, that can do some things for you. So I think the Lakers have the foundation in place to potentially build the next iteration of the Lakers post-LeBron in a few years on the team right now. They also have guys that I think will retain value moving forward because they're in their mid-20s. You trade for Mike Conley, it's the same problem with Bogdanovich. You trade for either one of those guys, you're getting the last of their NBA value, right? At some point, that contract's going to expire and you're probably not going to be able to flip them in a trade at any point if you need to. D'Angelo Russell at 27, and I think he can be a good long-term fit. I'm not advocating for trading him, but just saying if you hit a point where you need to make some kind of a move, whether it's building a team around AD, whether AD goes elsewhere as well, and you're trying to entice a new superstar to come in, whatever it is you're doing, Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, these are all guys that based on their age are going to retain value moving forward. And again, I don't think a trade should be the goal. The goal should be, hey, these guys are great together. Let's keep this group together and let's have the foundation of something sustainable here. That would be ideal. But even so, going for the younger player in D'Angelo Russell makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. So I would have made the same decision. If that was on the table for me, for the Lakers, I would have gone and gotten D'Angelo Russell as well. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this contract this summer, though. What do the Lakers wind up paying him? We'll see. Joe said they need to buy into Ham's defense from the start. I don't feel like they didn't. I think the bigger problem for the Lakers against the Wolves was their offense. And I talk about this a lot. Offense and defense are not two separate things. They're very much interconnected. If you're taking bad shots on the offensive end, you're going to put your defense 
in a very bad position because that's going to lead to, at the very least, semi-transition for your opponents, which means a lot of cross matches, which means matchups that your opponent can exploit uh, without having to run any kind of an action, right? Typically, you see teams run pick and roll or whatever it is to try to get a player switched defensively so that they have an advantage that they can attack. In semi-transition, you're in scramble mode. Everybody's just grabbing the nearest player that, that's close to them so they're not leaving somebody completely unmarked. And you can wind up with advantages without your opponent having to necessarily run anything just by getting down the court quickly. And you create that by taking bad shots on the offensive end or by missing shots. And so I think that's what we saw from the Lakers is their offense was struggling and that was creating problems for their defense. I don't think the Lakers were not bought in defensively. I thought there were moments where it looked like they had heavy legs, moments where they needed to close out the shooters. But I think their offense and their struggles there fueled the Wolves' offense and also fueled the problems the Lakers were having on defense as a result. So those two things are very connected and something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's that the Lakers weren't bought in. I am a little concerned about their lack of closing out on three-point shooters. That can definitely burn you against the Grizzlies. But again, the Grizzlies are very worried about Lakers players getting nuts from three because the Grizzlies have that problem too. They, uh, they don't defend the three-point line that well. Mr. Tornado said, Hey, Trevor, I just want to say I'm still catching my breath, LOL. Uh, it, this coming in postgame. Also, in your honest opinion, how will the Lakers beat the Grizzlies? Let's go, Laker fam. So I think you have to beat the Grizzlies at their own game. You've got to be dominant in the paint. You have to take advantage of the fact that Brandon Clark and, uh, and Steven Adams are not there. For Memphis, you have to absolutely own the boards. You've got to score in the paint and then kick out to your shooters from there. To go Frank Vogel, paint to great. That's the, the term Frank Vogel loved to use all the time. Paint to great. Get yourself into the paint. Create your three-point shots from there. Force the defense to collapse. They don't collapse. Score at the rim. They do collapse. Kick out to your shooters. Trust that they're going to knock it down. That's what you need to do defensively. Can you at least make Jaw work? Can you make Ja Morant a 40% field goal shooter and a 28% three-point shooter who has four or five turnovers on the night? That's what you're You're not stopping John Morant. That's not what good defense looks like on John Morant. You're not going to stop him. You're not. What good defense will be is making him inefficient. Can you do that? If you can do that, that will go a long way towards winning. What about Jaron Jackson Jr.? Can you prevent him from being a terror flying into block shots from the weak side? Can you prevent him from being a force on the glass? Can you get him into foul trouble? Um, can you close out enough so that Luke Kennard doesn't have a seven for nine three-point shooting game in him, so that Desmond Bain isn't able to grab and go a bunch in transition, so that uh, Des doesn't get hot from three as well. All of those things are going to matter. And again, the Lakers themselves have a lot of things that they are going to need to do in order to get these wins. They're going to have things they can exploit. They've got to knock down shots, and the Grizzlies are going to have things they're going to be trying to stop the Lakers to do. It's remarkable how similar both teams really are in terms of what it is, not in terms of how they're going to get there, but what it is they're trying to accomplish. The paint, not letting the opponent have the outlier three-point shooting. Not like They all want to kind of check. They both want to check the same boxes. Anthony Delgado says, if Edwards hits some shots and Gobert plays, we lose this game. How do we pair up against Memphis? Much needed rest, good win, but it's going to be a tough road. Yeah, Memphis is not an easy matchup for the Lakers. They're not. It's a very difficult matchup. Um, I know people look at Memphis and they say, well, you're down Stephen Adams, you're down Brandon Clark. The Lakers should be able to win this. Memphis is the favorite right now. It's not a heavy favorite, but the favorite for a reason. I think it's a very tough matchup for the Lakers. It's not an easy one. The Lakers don't have, and a big part of it is jaw. Who is it that's going to defend jaw? Right? Like in crunch time, it may not be from the get-go, but in crunch time, Anthony Davis is going to defend Jaron Jackson. We know that. Who's going to defend Ja? The Lakers don't have that guy. If you have a high score, if it's Luka, okay, Vando, go make his life hell. Brandon Ingram, Vando, go get him. Kawhi, Paul George, whoever, you know, the, the wings. Anybody two through four, essentially. Vando. Go get him. You you are going to follow that guy everywhere and you're going to pester him. And he's great at that. 
the Lakers don't have that guy at the point guard position. And I don't know that anybody in the league is, re- I mean, you can put, put Drew Holiday out there. Is he stopping Jaron Jackson? No. I'm sorry, is he, is he stopping Ja? No. So that's the challenge. Who defends Ja? And who can make him work? Like Drew Holiday isn't stopping him, but he can at least make him work. Can Dennis Schroeder make Jaw work? Or is the size issue, Dennis Schroeder being so small, does that negate the quickness that Schroeder has? Can Vando play minutes on Jaw? What about Austin Reeves? Can you get away with some Austin Reeves minutes on Jaw Morant? Or does he light him up? What can you do to keep Jaw out of the paint? You know you're not always going to keep him out of there, but when he does get into the paint, what looks are you going to give him? And here's the thing. How often are you going to switch things up? Because that's going to be key too. If Jaw seems the same defensive coverage all game, they will figure out a way to beat it and he will beat it consistently. So you have to switch things up. You can't hit him with the same uh, coverage every single time. Mix it up so that he doesn't feel comfortable. That's going to be critical as well. Not just the players on the floor, but the coaching staff. What decisions do you make in terms of how you're defending John Morant? Again, not going to be easy. Not going to be easy. I think this is going to be a very close series. Jay Singh, why were we not driving the ball? They were in the penalty, four minutes to go, and we were shooting threes. This was a poor game by everyone, including AD, LeBron, the whole cast. No basketball intelligence. I thought they made some silly decisions out there. I I agree. I think they made some silly decisions. I thought some of them were fatigue-based. I talked about it before. LeBron, multiple times, had Towns isolated on him the lakers worked very hard to get towns switched onto lebron with five fouls and lebron bailed him out by shooting the jumper and that's what lebron tends to do when bigs get on him he shoots the jumper but in that situation i think everybody was screaming for lebron to drive at towns and get him out of the game or watch towns fade away avoid contact and give lebron the bucket so i thought there were some just poor decisions made in general, but they got the win. That's the important part. They got the win. The Lakers, part of it, why were they shooting the three? Well, because that's what Minnesota wanted to give them. Teams are going to do that. They're going to pack the paint against the Lakers and try to get the Lakers to beat them from behind the arc. It's on the Lakers to step up and do it. Life is full of what ifs. So what if you try something new when it comes to dating? Talkify is a new way to meet other serious singles. What if they help you find what you're looking for? Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship success. Their trusted compatibility specialists hand select successful and compelling candidates so you can date consciously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner Then they'll select and screen potential match candidates for you, doing background checks, video interviews, and asking the tough questions that are too awkward for first dates. From there, your matchmaker plans your date introductions and handles all communications for you, creating a safe and stress-free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash Lakers Nation. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y.com slash Lakers Nation for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash Lakers Nation. Michael said, I flew in from Kansas City to see my first Lakers playoff game. About had a heart attack. Ecstatic that they won. Schroeder for star in your role. We're Michael. uh, So glad that you were able to, first of all, make that trip. Hopefully it was an enjoyable one. And that you were able to see a win. It's so important. I mean, it feels terrible when you pay a lot of money to go to a game, especially a big game, and then they lose. So, so glad that you got to see a win. It wasn't the prettiest of games, but you got to win. That's the important part. Salvador, Master Lock, AD, and Conley. Superstar of the night is Dennis Schroeder, star in your role, Braun. All right, good picks. Interesting picks, anyway. Uh, AD for the foul course i did give dennis Schroeder the superstar of the night moody said look at the box score for the lakers support other than dennis everyone didn't play well yeah it was one of those nights where 
you know, LeBron and AD kind of did their thing. But aside from Dennis, you didn't really say, wow, this guy really stepped up tonight. Like Austin, just okay. Didn't shoot well. Troy Brown, eh, just okay. Right. D'Lo, terrible. Did not have a good performance. Again, he got the assist, but eight assists for D'Lo, which is great, but did not shoot the ball well. And you really need him shooting the ball well. Nobody else really had a, a good performance. And that's worth noting. And also something that I don't think is going to happen all the time. I think that's going to be more of a rare occurrence. I think most of the time you're going to get at least a few guys. You're going to get Rui has like a 15.9 or something like that on, on extreme efficiency. Or, or you're going to get Austin gets to the free throw line eight times and has 16, 17 points or whatever. You're going to have D'Lo gets hot from behind the arc. You're going to get, uh, who knows, Malik Beasley maybe comes in and shoots six for nine from three or, or something, which is nice. Um, you get something like that. You're going to get multiple guys, at least two guys that are going to have above average performances. Usually that's all that it takes. But against the Wolves, we just didn't see that. Oh, this one says best player scored nine. They didn't deserve to win. Anthony Edwards, uh, which is nine. Yeah, that was. That's two games in a row. He's been terrible. Two games. He has a total of 20 points against the Lakers. Strange. He, he did not. He's not played well. And part of that, give, a, give credit to Jared Vanderbilt, right? Vando playing defense on him um that's again Vando can defend essentially two through four sometimes some small ball fives you can put them on but i've been impressed actually with how good vando has been defending twos i thought he would be more of a three and four defender with maybe some fives his ability to defend twos has been impressive like if the lakers wind up drawing let's say the lakers get through the next round it's Lakers Warriors. The Warriors get past the Kings, which I don't think is a foregone conclusion. But if they do, I mean, Vando on clay, you're chasing around a lot of screens. But that might be interesting. And I think he can, he can defend like that. Boogie, did D'Lo forget he plays for the Lakers? It was like six on four out there. Again, worst performance of the season, I thought, for D'Angelo Russell, just shot extremely poorly. I would assume we're going to see a better version of D'Lo next game. I'm going to just say, hey, it was one bad game. Let's move on. Crunchy said, respectfully, Dennis won us the game. The last thing I was scared of happened, D'Lo disappeared. Or the thing I was scared of happened, D'Lo disappeared. Lakers in six, though. Yes, sir, Trev Dog. People have been trying to give me nicknames lately. It's been a thing. Um, yeah, again, Dennis was fantastic. You don't win the game without him. He's been really good in fourth quarters for the Lakers. The issue is you can't count on him to do that every night. You can't. He's not going to. But every other game, every third game, he can have a performance like this. Maybe it takes him turning his ankle because it seems like whenever he does, he bounces back and has a great performance. Noble said, give Dennis the mid-level contract. He might even outplay that. Yeah. Jalen, Mo should be getting Wenyan's minutes. I guess we're just going to roll him out in the playoffs. That's where I'm concerned, right? Like, I don't think Mo has gotten enough minutes up to this point. And how comfortable can you be putting him out on the floor right now in a playoff game when you haven't seen him on the floor that much? That's a tough decision to make if you're Darvin Ham. Because you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And that's why I would have preferred to have seen more Mo Bamba, Mo Mo. Um, up to this point. So that at least you would have a sense of what he is, of what he can provide, of what his chemistry is with different groupings and all of that. You have precious little information on what Mo can bring you right now and what lineups are best and how exactly to use him and, and all of that. I would have liked to have seen the Lakers get more intel on that. All right. I think I'm going to wrap things up there. Appreciate everybody for joining me. I still have more questions to get through. Um, we will do some more pods. But again, Lakers, Grizzlies coming up on Sunday. Big, big game. Join us on Playback for it. Playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. Watch the game directly with us. going to be a blast. We're going to be nervous. We're going to get through it together, though. going to be a lot of fun. And again, make sure you come sign up for my NBA playoff bracket. Use the link in the description below on the YouTube channel. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.